Now, Republican presidential candidate Donald Trump is facing historically unprecedented attacks from the mainstream media, to some degree, of course, from the left, although they're infighting between Hillary and Sanders at the moment. The political establishment is attacking Donald Trump relentlessly, most notably the Republican political establishment, and the donor class are the people who donate to political candidates in return for gaining control over vast sections of the U.S. economy, which they can use it as their own personal training poodle for political and uh, corporate profits. They're all uniting to attack Donald Trump, which, for those frustrated with the existing system, is what gives him some potentially significant appeal. Now, we did a previous The Untruth about Donald Trump presentation, which we'll link to below. So the lies and the slanders, misrepresentation and so on of Trump and his history and his political positions, pretty well documented. Now, at the moment, tens of millions of dollars in negative political ads are being taken out against Trump. That's not over the course of the election nomination process so far. That's every single week, tens of millions of dollars of attack ads being taken out. Which, you know, kind of begs the question, why is there such a strong resistance to Trump? Now, for the average Republican, it's kind of frustrating to finally see the Republican establishment unite against a common enemy. Uh, They were kind of hoping it might be things like Common Core, Obamacare, illegal immigration, high taxes, excessive welfare spending, and so on, bad wars. But no, the Republican establishment has finally grown a spine and is willing to let slip the dogs of war. Tragically, it is against the man most popular among Republicans, which um, I don't imagine is going to end particularly well. So it's not around policy. It's got to be about something else. The basic argument, which I think most people understand, is that Trump is not taking the money of the donor class, and therefore he cannot be controlled. And since he cannot be controlled, he must be destroyed. And that is the basic equation that I think is uh, going on. So in our continued valiant effort, and I would argue largely successful effort to push back against the lies of the mainstream media, I give you even more untruths about Donald Trump. So, the uh, Council on American-Islamic Relations. Uh, This is interesting. This is the largest, uh, the America's largest Muslim civil rights and advocacy organization. Uh, There was a uh, six-state Super Tuesday poll that was released March 1st, 2016, almost 2,000 Muslims surveyed. And uh, the survey indicates that 67% of Muslim voters support the Democratic Party and 18% support the Republican Party. Of the uh, 18% who support the Republican Party, 11% support Donald Trump, which is more than all of the other Republican candidates Combined, So the idea that uh, Muslims are shocked and appalled and Donald Trump needs to radically change course in order to gain the Muslim vote relative to the other Republican nominees is um, incorrect. Uh, the Muslims are quite uh, significantly in favor of Donald Trump. Now, of course, much more in favor of Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton. And this is part of the debate that is occurring about immigration in that the Republicans... Um, The Republican donor class likes lots of immigration because it gives them cheap labor. And the Democrat donor class and the Democrats like cheap immigration, uh, sorry, low rent or third world immigration because it gives them supporters who can reliably be counted on to vote a Democrat. And so when Republicans say that they're against third world immigration, 
to imply that it merely comes out of racism is uh, foolish and wrong. Uh, they simply don't want the deck stacked with people who are going to vote against their political self-interest. So that's can't be that hard to figure out, but a lot of people seem to have tr- uh, trouble with it. So comparing candidate support among Muslims, uh, John McCain in 2008 had a 2% support among uh, Muslims. Uh, Mitt Romney in 2012 had a 4% support. Donald Trump in 2016 has an 11% support uh, amongst uh, Muslims. So that is quite important. So, I mean... Muslims, to some degree, left Islamic countries because they didn't want to live in Islamic countries. And so they moved to America to live in America. And the fact that Donald Trump wants to limit uh, Muslim immigration, at least for uh, a time period, uh, is not way out of line with what a lot of Muslims want, which is not to live under Sharia law and beheadings and all that kind of stuff. So um, that's uh, important facts, which, again, you're not going to see reported in the mainstream media who like to portray Donald Trump as a, you know, Islamophobe and a xenophobe and all that kind of stuff. Well, if he's an Islamophobe, I guess there are a lot of people in Islam or a lot of Muslims who support him as well, which would mean they are Islamophobes against them. Oh, who knows? Who can even go down that rabbit hole? <laughs> Too confusing. The Sikh Americans to Trump organizer Jasdip Singh said, Trump is not at all against the Sikhs or the Muslim community. What he says is given spin. The mainstream media gives a spin because they are scared of him. He is not the status quo. He is not taking anybody's money. When he talks about Muslims, he does not talk about all Muslims or American Muslims. He speaks in the context of the refugee crisis that was happening in Syria. We, the Sikhs, agree with him. Muslim Americans agree with him that we should not bring people into this country before we can vet them. And this was a temporary measure proposed by him. Muslim Americans for Trump organizer Sajid Tarar said, quote, We believe he has the ability and capacity to change America. He's built a huge empire. He is self-funding the campaign. There is no special interest behind him. There is a war going on against Trump. Every message and speech of his has been twisted. Now, Let's look at Hispanic voters. Well, in 2000, George Bush got 35% of the Hispanic vote. 2004, 40%. 2008, John McCain got 31%. 2012, Mitt Romney got 27%. And as of 2016, Donald Trump is currently receiving 17%. Now, again, there are a lot of Hispanics who are uncommitted. So this is the uh, the Hispanics who are willing to go on record, or at least in a poll, uh, talking about their support for Donald Trump. Clearly, these numbers are low, right? I mean, they're uh, half what uh, George Bush got in 2000, but there may be some particular demographic reasons for all of that. So this uh, line here is Mexican-born immigrants into the United States from 1850 to 2010. Uh, And uh, here you can see, you know, since the 1970s, it's gone completely uh, mental. Uh, this is the total Mexican-born immigrants in the United States. So this is, of course, for those who don't know, there was a um, act passed by Ted Kennedy in 1965, which basically shifted immigration from Europe to the third world. And uh, I've gone into the reasons for that beforehand, but basically the Democrats were unable to win in a debate with Americans uh, after the horrifying nature of socialism and communism was revealed by Nikita Khrushchev in the 60s, talking about the cult of personality and the evils that Joseph Stalin had committed as the party leader 
uh, over the previous few decades. And so they said, okay, well, we can't win the debate, so we're just going to start stacking the deck by bringing in third world immigrants who are more sympathetic towards socialism, who haven't grown up with the sort of Freedom Club European commitment to relatively small uh, government. And um, this is uh, has gone completely mental. And um, this is not what the average American in the 1960s or 1970s wanted. It certainly was not, nobody was asked. In fact, the promise was made that it would not change the demographics of the United States, the 1965 immigration bill. And this has proven to be completely false. And of course, whites are on track to be a minority within America within a couple of decades. And they obviously are pushing back against that. Why? Because um, white people tend to vote Republican and Hispanics tend to vote uh, Democrat, as do Muslims, as do a lot of other people from third world countries. And so if you want to have a small, limited government ideal, then you're going to push back against third world immigration, not because of racism, but because you can read the numbers and they do tend to vote, third world immigrants do tend to vote en masse for Democrats, which is why Democrats want them in the country. It's not that complicated. And uh, the argument could easily be made that um, the sort of illegal immigration aspect uh, is vastly uh, underreported. Uh, there are some pretty credible estimates that uh, upwards of 30 million uh, is uh, in, in America, which is massive. Mexico's central bank reported remittances totaling $21.27 billion in 2010 and $24.8 billion in 2015. That's a 16.6% increase in only five years. Remittances are the money being sent back to Mexico by uh, Hispanics living or Mexicans living in America. The Bank of Mexico said it was the first time remittances had totaled more than oil revenues at $23.4 billion since it began tracking them. So, I mean, I think we can at least understand that for a lot of Americans, um, paying welfare to Mexicans who then send the money to Mexico is not really the very best use of hard-earned tax money being taken, especially when infrastructure is collapsing and schools are doing terribly and so on. So this is welfare usage. Um, native households consume welfare at uh, 30%. Immigrant households at 51%. So uh, immigrants consume a lot more welfare than the domestic population. Among Asians, 22% of natives consume welfare, 33% of immigrants. Among whites, it's 23% and 35%. Hispanics, 54% of native households consume welfare and 70% of immigrant households consume welfare. Among blacks, it's 55% of natives and 53% of black immigrants consume welfare. So when, um, I guess, Asians and whites see Hispanic and blacks uh, coming into the country, they see their taxes going up. And uh, particularly with Hispanics as well, there are, of course, Mexican, uh, sorry, Spanish versus uh, English language challenges, which need to be addressed in the school system, thus taking away further resources from um, Asian or white or black or any native kids who speak English. Uh, the resources have to be applied for multilingual situations. So it's a net loss to the Asians and the whites uh, in general to have Hispanic and black immigrants. And so they don't, well, there's a lot of them who say, well, what's in it for me? I don't see the benefit. Immigrant to welfare usage by origin country. And again, natives consuming welfare at 30%. Central America and Mexican immigrants consume welfare at 73%. That's astounding. That's absolutely astonish, astonishing. Caribbean immigrants, 51%. African immigrants, 48%. South American immigrants, 41%. East Asian immigrants, 32%. Europe, 
26% South Asia, 17%. So as you can see, 1965, the people who didn't take welfare were no longer allowed to immigrate into America, and people who consumed massive amounts of welfare were encouraged to immigrate into uh, America. And a lot of the domestic population of all races and ethnicities said, I don't see how that is really much of a benefit to us at all. So given this massive growth in welfare-dependent Hispanics, is it any wonder that Hispanics tend to vote for the Democrats who promise to generally only increase the gravy train that they're currently relying on? So presidential election voting on uh, black voters. So in 2000, George Bush got 3% of the black vote. 2004, got 7%. 2008, John McCain got 1% of the black vote. 2012, Mitt Romney got 5% of the black vote. And currently, in 2016, Donald Trump is polling at 12% of the black vote. And um, again, dependence on welfare leads people to vote Democrat. It's a clear conflict of interest because if you're dependent upon government programs, can you be objective as to their general value and utility to society as a whole? Of course not, but that's, of course, just one of the challenges of, um, of the voting system that, that we have. Now, this may actually underestimate the degree of support for Trump in the uh, black community. There are uh, various other polls that show him receiving 25% of the black vote. One poll, which had a very small sample, gave Trump 40% of the black vote. And of course, the reason for that, among other reasons, one significant reason, is that by restricting illegal immigration, Donald Trump is reducing the number of people competing for lower-wage jobs that blacks are also trying to get. So he's going to do a lot to help the black community, unlike President Obama, where almost all metrics regarding the black community got worse under President Obama over the last seven or so years. And so, yeah, it could be that there are a number of blacks looking for a different option. So, polling criticism. So, oh, you see, Republicans don't support Trump. So a recent CNN Republican presidential primary poll has Donald Trump at 49%. Ted Cruz at 15%, Marco Rubio at 16%, and John Kasich at 6% nationally. Now, of course, Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio, Rubio, relying on the math skills so generously granted to the American population by the fine government educational system, have said, well, look, the majority of the electorate, 51%, do not support Donald Trump, so we're popular. And of course, yeah, that's technically true, but using the same logic... 85% of the electorate don't support Ted Cruz. 84% don't support Marco Rubio. 94% don't support John Kasich. So, I don't know. That just seems like you draw a sword and cut off your own arm, but I guess they're relying on mathematical illiteracy, much like people who keep running up the national debt. Another criticism, Trump cannot beat Hillary Clinton. And... um, This is in reference to some polling which shows Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio, and John Kasich occasionally polling better against Clinton in a head-to-head general election matchup. Of course, the problem with these polls is that they completely ignore the electoral college system, which greatly overlooks one of Donald Trump's major general election strengths. As polling has shown that usually blue states like Michigan and New York are winnable by Trump. In 2000, George W. Bush lost the popular vote but won the office of president due to the electoral college 
system. So, of course, it's not a majority of voters who end up choosing the president. So even if a majority of voters would choose Clinton over Trump, that has no reference to the actual winnability in the election because of the electoral college system. Now, this is also prior to Donald Trump going after Hillary Clinton. Um, In late 2015, Hillary Clinton began discussing the war on women, used his card in relation to Donald Trump. Donald Trump said mean things about Rosie O'Donnell. December 23rd, 2015, the Republican candidate responded via Twitter, quote, The Hillary Clinton staged event yesterday was pathetic. Be careful, Hillary, as you play the war on women or women being degraded card. What is that in reference to? Well, of course, to my younger listeners, Trump was alluding to Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton's husband and, of course, ex-president. Bill Clinton's past related to charges of sexual impropriety and accusations of rape. Uh, That is a line which no mainstream Republican candidate has dared to cross until now. After Trump's tweet and the discussion that ensued in the media, Clinton's Democratic primary numbers went from 55.3% to 49% within a week. The elder George Bush, George H.W. Bush, knew a lot about Clinton's sordid sexual history when he was sort of running against him, but decided not to use it in the election, thus losing. <laughs> Mitt Romney. In 2012, of course, Mitt Romney recently came out, let's just say somewhat significantly, against Donald Trump. In 2012, Mitt Romney said, There are some things that you just can't imagine happening in your life. This is one of them. Being in Donald Trump's magnificent hotel and having his endorsement is a delight. I am so honored and pleased to have his endorsement. Donald Trump has shown an extraordinary ability to understand how our economy works to create jobs for the American people. I spent my life in the private sector, not quite as successful as this guy, but successful nonetheless. Yep, that's a kind of faint sucking sound you're hearing from Mitt Romney in 2012. Mitt Romney in 2016. Isn't Trump a huge business success and doesn't he know what he's talking about? No, he isn't. And no, he doesn't. He inherited his business. He didn't create it. And whatever happened to Trump Airlines? How about Trump University? And then there's Trump Magazine and Trump Vodka and Trump Steaks and Trump Mortgage. A business genius. He is not. There may be people who can criticize Donald Trump for somewhat of a boost from his family fortunes early in life. Mitt Romney is not one of them. Mitt Romney's father was an American businessman, a Republican party politician. He was chairman and president of American Motors Corporation. He was the 43rd governor of Michigan, and he was the U.S. Secretary of Housing and Urban Development up until the 70s. So the idea that Mitt Romney, who, you know, got his movie star good looks, a huge amount of political expertise and money and education and wealth and fame from his father, then calling Donald Trump somehow, his Donald Trump's success the result of nepotism and so on, I don't know. That's a little bit, a bit rich, uh, literally and figuratively. Donald Trump said, he, Romney, begged me four years ago for my endorsement. I mean, literally begged me. And he's a failed candidate. I mean, frankly, I backed him. He failed. He was a horrible candidate. Continuing the commentary about Romney begging for his endorsement, Trump noted, I could have said, Mitt, drop to your knees. He would have dropped to his knees. Some in the media then reported that Trump claimed Romney would have offered him oral sex for his endorsement. Oh, my God. Things they say in the media. 
Romney also called for Trump to release his full tax returns. Quote, the reason that I think there's a bombshell in there is because every time he's asked about his taxes, he dodges and delays and says, well, we're working on it. Frankly, the voters have a right to see those tax returns before they decide who our nominee ought to be. There's nothing in the Constitution that says you have to release your tax returns if you want to run for office. Now, just as a sort of footnote, um, 31% of Republican voters surveyed said they are now more likely to vote for Trump after Romney's attack, while only 20% said they are less likely to vote for Trump. 43% said that Romney's comments had no impact. This idea that the attack is going to do anything other than dig people into supporting Trump uh, just shows you how out of touch the Republican leadership is with uh, the people they claim to represent, I guess is how you could put it. Ah, the tax returns. National Review. What if Trump doesn't have billions? Politico. Five ways Trump's taxes could embarrass him. Mike Huckabee, who does sometimes speak some common sense, says, why do we have a right to see somebody's tax returns if they have given us what the government requires? I remember when Harry Reid on the floor of the Senate said, the word is out, Mitt Romney hasn't paid any taxes. And he just made that up out of thin air. I was really disappointed when Mitt took that approach because I thought, Mitt, you were the victim of that kind of speculation. You shouldn't do it to Donald Trump. The media is going to beat him up over it if he doesn't release it. Newsflash, if he does release it, the media is going to beat him up over what he releases. It really doesn't matter. Trump defended Romney against Harry Reid's tax criticism in 2012, and despite the failed presidential candidate's hypocrisy, Trump agreed to release his tax returns, but noted that he's undergoing an audit and won't do so until the audit is completed. Donald Trump, I get unfairly audited by the IRS almost every single year. I have rich friends who never get audited. I wonder why. Tax experts throughout the media agree that no sane person would give their tax returns during an audit. After the audit, no problem. You're in the midst of negotiating and talking to the IRS. Your lawyers would never allow you to do that. Ted Cruz said, Maybe it's the case that Donald, there have been multiple media reports about Donald's business dealings with the mob, with the mafia. Maybe his taxes show those business dealings are a lot more extensive than has been reported. We don't know what is what it is that he's hiding in those tax returns. <laughs> Yeah, Ted, can you literally prove you're not the Zodiac Killer? Bet you can't. Ooh, I wonder. I wonder. Oh, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. The three apocalyptic demons that accompany the verbiage and CO2 emissions of every surface on the planet. Marco Rubio says, Donald Trump is clearly hiding something. We need to see those returns to see if the difference between the audited version and what he filed, if there is evidence of wrongdoing. Former Republican, sorry, former Department of Justice Tax Division Senior Counsel Robert Kovachev said, quote, he's getting good advice. If he puts his returns out there, his critics are going to go through, take something out of context, and they'll make a big deal out of it. They'll put pressure on the IRS to go and do a big investigation on something that's probably innocuous, but because it's an issue, they're going to have to go after it. I would never advise him to release them while there's an audit. Tax Attorney Stephen Goldberg. Think of an audit as an investigation, an ongoing investigation, he said. Any person that has legal counsel, their legal counsel will say, if you're under investigation, you should not be talking to the media. You should not be talking to anyone other than your legal counsel or through your legal counsel. Ben Carson said, you know, I never had an audit until I spoke at the National Prayer Breakfast, and then all of a sudden they come in. They said, we just want to look at your real estate dealings, and then they didn't find anything, so they said, let's look at the whole year. 
And they didn't find anything. So they said, let's look at the next year. And the next year, the IRS as an arm of political vengeance is not exactly unknown in recent American politics. Cruz and Rubio aimed to put more pressure on Trump by releasing their tax returns, but only disclosed the first two pages of their returns, just the Form 1040, without any other forms or schedules. Tax attorney Robert Barnes said, The disclosure by both Cruz and Rubio is a joke. The key is the Schedule C and their itemized deductions, both of which are missing from their disclosures and still hidden from the public, even though they were in public office during this time period. All of the information that would reveal the truth of Cruz and Rubio's financial activities remain hidden. If Rubio and Cruz held themselves to the same standard they demand of Trump, they would have disclosed it all, not hidden their most important tax documents for political disclosure purposes. There must be something bad in there because given how much they criticized Trump, they would have disclosed more. Tax attorney Martin Schenkman says, The gross numbers without the schedules don't tell you anything. Rubio is attacking Trump on the same disclosure issues, but his own disclosures are obfuscatory. Ted Cruz is currently being investigated by the Federal Election Commission for failure to disclose two separate loans, one from his wife's employer, Goldman Sachs, the other from Citibank during his Senate campaign. During said Senate campaign, he railed in a Tea Party way against the influence of financial institutions on the electoral process while failing to disclose two loans from big financial institutions. Could that have changed the outcome of the election? I guess we'll never know now. Now, Renaissance Technologies hedge fund manager Robert Mercer has contributed at least $11 million in support of Cruz's presidential campaign. And Robert Mercer's company is being investigated by the IRS for underestimating its tax bill by at least $6 billion over 14 years. Of course, um, Cruz wants to abolish the IRS. Could that be somewhat beneficial if achieved by a man currently being investigated by the IRS? I guess we could say it's possible. Rubio has paid for personal expenses with Republican Party credit cards, had his campaign fined by the FEC for an estimated $210,000 in improper donations, and Rubio made a $200,000 profit from selling a house to the mother of a lobbyist and then changed his mind about the lobbyist state insurance regulation rule changes. Quite a coincidence. Rubio's finances have been uh, significantly subsidized by Florida billionaire Norman Brayman who paid Rubio's wife at least $54,000 to assist in the distribution of $250 in charitable contributions. Uh, Brayman essentially funded a $69,000 a year teaching job for Rubio at Florida International University and donated at least $6 million in support of his presidential campaign. According to the New York Times, directed over $85 million in taxpayer funds to Brayman's favored causes. So... A relatively robust return on investment, I guess you could say. Ah, the New York Times tapes. These came up in the last presidential debate on the Republican side. Now, the story originated in BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed produces the kind of Pulitzer-style award-winning journalism like 17 pictures of Donald Trump's not-at-all-below-average-sized hands and... Help us pick the best Donald Trump penis pun. And where in Canada should you move if Trump becomes president? So, 
Quality institution. On January 5th, 2016, Trump spoke with the New York Times editorial board in an off-the-record capacity related to a possible endorsement. Such meetings are often done with presidential candidates during the election cycle and are not for the purpose of writing news stories. It was Trump's preference for part of the discussion to be on the record so he could officially answer a question related to tariffs, which is uncharacteristic for these types of meetings and open Trump up to further attack. Donald Trump. We had a board meeting. It was off the record. All of a sudden, they leak it. It's all over the place. Now, the content of what was said in this off-the-record meeting has not been revealed, merely that there uh, was uh, one, and apparently somebody recorded it. Off-the-record is very, very important for journalists. It allows you to get information that is not going to make it into the story, but is, uh, can be essential to have. I wonder how the New York Times is going to fare in the future when offering people off-the-record interviews. Hmm, I wonder if they care. So, Ted Cruz said, apparently there is a secret tape that the New York Times editorial board has of Donald Trump saying that he doesn't believe what he's saying on immigration. I call on Donald, ask the New York Times to release the tape. If Donald didn't say that to the New York Times, then he deserves to have that cleared up, and releasing the tape can clear it up. The alternative is that it is true. Oh, he's such a troll. <laughs> Pixar didn't happen. Marco Rubio said, It sounds like what he told the New York Times is different from what he is telling you. Donald Trump should ask the New York Times to release the audio of his interview with them so we can see exactly what it is he truly believes about this issue which he has made the cornerstone of his campaign. The New York Times editor Andrew Rosenthal said, These sessions are not about news gathering for stories. It's not as if we are sitting on a news story here or holding something back from publication. So, this meeting occurred, apparently someone taped it, and now people are just randomly speculating about what the content might be of what was recorded. Now, Trump University. In 2004, Trump University began offering a series of business and real estate-focused seminars. Some were online and as well as mentorship programs. The name of the business eventually led to trouble as New York Attorney General Eric Schneiderman accused Trump of running an unlicensed school, and in response, the name was changed to the Trump Entrepreneur Initiative in 2010, right? So because he called it a university, or it was called a university, but it didn't grant degrees and didn't go through an accreditation process, uh, that name had to be changed. Now, according to the Washington Post, more than 80,000 people attended the free introductory seminars that were held in hotel ballrooms and so on around the United States. About 9,200 of these people uh, signed up for three-day online seminars for just under $1,500, and about 800 paid for the $35,000 package that included one-on-one uh, -on -one mentoring. So, you know, a lot of people got free introductory education, a small percentage of them went on to more advanced stuff. And various lawsuits originated with several people and grew to 150 in total as it reached class action status, or about 2% of students who jumped, about 2% of the students who took the courses jumped on the class action gravy train, I guess you could say. Now, depending on the seminar and location, uh, some granted refunds to 25 to 40% of those in attendance. And uh, that's a very generous refund policy, to, uh, to put it mildly. So there are currently three active lawsuits related to Trump University, one by the New York Attorney General's Office and two related 
California class actions. The New York investigation originated due to the university name as it was bolstered by about a dozen complaints. Uh, Market Watch has said, Tyler Makayev, the lead plaintiff in the case, spent nearly $60,000 to pay for Trump University products over the course of one year. The lawsuit claims what she got in return were two offers for real estate deals that were, quote, flawed and, quote, appeared unprofitable. The cases appear to be or potentially could be described as a remedy for buyer's remorse for investment in real estate education that people spent a lot of money on right before the collapse of the United States housing market. And uh, the business, of course, had a pretty generous refund policy and even offered refunds which were ignored to several of the people who would later file suit against the company. Candidate Marco Rubio released a negative advertisement focusing on Trump University using on-camera statements from several former students, including Bob Guillo and Kevin Scott. Now, in a survey which he filled out after taking the Trump U course, Bob Guillo rated the courses five out of five in every category, noting that he'd attend another Trump University seminar and would even recommend the seminars to a friend. Kevin Scott also gave the course five out of five ratings for every option, including writing in five plus plus, and noted that his overall experience was outstanding, very informative, I feel very comfortable. When asked if he'd like to share his success story with Trump University in the future, Scott answered, yes, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. Donald Trump said, they just want to get their money back. So normally, somebody would immediately settle. I just can't do that. I don't like to settle. When I'm right about something, I like to go to court. So I'll go to court. We have 98% of the people who took the courses have reports like this. When they are on the stand, they will be shown these reports. You have people doing the commercial. They say terrible things. And they sign reports saying it was excellent in all respects. Why would anyone settle a case when we have reports like this? Now, the New York Times said the Better Business Bureau gave the school a D- minus for 2010, its second lowest grade, after receiving 23 complaints. The Better Business Bureau statement is this. During the period when Trump University appeared to be active in the marketplace, BBB received multiple customer complaints about this business. These complaints affected the Trump University BBB rating, which was as low as D- minus in 2010. As the company appeared to be winding down, after 2013, no new complaints were reported. Complaints over three years old automatically rolled off of the business review, according to BBB policy. As a result, over time, Trump University's BBB rating went to an A in July 2014 and then to an A-plus in January 2015. So that's important. So the fact that Trump is waving around that he's got a great rating may have something to do with the complaints rolling off after the three-year period more than an improvement. Now, of course, a low BBB rating simply means that complaints have been filed against the business. It doesn't mean that they don't investigate and find out if they're true or false. It doesn't mean that the business is guilty of any wrongdoing or impropriety. As of September 2015, the Trump Entrepreneur Initiative currently has no rating as, quote, the company is believed to be out of business. Now, the crux of the case seems to center on statements by Trump in marketing materials related to his handpicking of instructors. Trump later confirmed under oath that he neither selected the instructors nor oversaw the curriculum, with the business ultimately being more of a licensing agreement on his end. Now, of course, in the end, everybody, and it'll probably be years from now, will have their day in court, and uh, this will be resolved one way 
or another. But uh, saying everybody, saying knowing exactly what it's about or it was fraud or whatever, we'll find out over time. Ah, Trump and his discontinued businesses. So, Trump Shuttle. This was a luxury airline surface, uh, which was operated from 1989 to 1992, when Trump sold the business to Shuttle Inc. And uh, Shuttle Inc. was later purchased by a merged with U.S. Airways in 1997. And the business, this is one of the reasons why people don't like getting into airlines, the business faced union-related issues very early on. There was a Northeast economic recession in 1989, which negatively impacted demand. And then, of course, in August 1990, the Iraqi invasion of Kuwait caused jet fuel prices to double. Uh, It is reported that the business was never profitable during Trump's ownership, but it's clear that external factors played a significant role. Over 50 airlines have uh, filed for bankruptcy since... 1980. Trump Vodka debuted in um, 2006 before being discontinued in 2011. Trump discussed the creation of his vodka brand on Larry King Live, and it sounded like a friendly business rivalry as opposed to a major economic investment. Quote, a great friend of mine was a founder of Grey Goose, and what we're going to do is top it. I want to top them just because it's fun to top my friends. Trump Magazine. Well... There were several attempts to create a Trump magazine. The latest attempt was fairly successful, reaching a circulation of about 100,000 and selling for just under six bucks a unit. But the magazine went out of circulation in 2009. The magazine industry has contracted year after year with the rise of digital media. Go Trump was a very short-lived Trump-branded Travelocity-powered travel search engine. It's a very low overhead. It was just a wrapper for Travelocity. It didn't go very far, but didn't also cost very much. Trump Steaks. So in 2007, Trump partnered with the Shopper Image to release a line of Trump-branded mail-order steaks. Many have incorrectly reported that the actual steaks were available for purchase at Shopper Image stores, but no. The steaks were packed in dry ice and shipped. You just filled out the order. So Trump Steaks, just clearly a licensing arrangement to capitalize on and promote the Trump brand in an already existing industry. Now, of course, people like look at stuff like that and say, oh, Trump is a terrible businessman. Well, I'm not so sure about that. The Trump Steaks campaign brought a lot of business to Shopper Image. National managers of Shopper Image noted that people would come into the store saying, why do you have a picture of Donald Trump in the window? And they'd end up buying either the Trump Steaks or or something else. Um, One uh, manager said, quote, our sales in Shopper Image from that period went up dramatically, and we made millions of dollars. What it cost them to do this, I don't know, but it was an exercise in branding. I don't know if that's what he had in mind from the beginning. So it seemed to work at least for Shopper Image. uh, And of course, um, again, these are businesses in general that started right before some big economic downturn, right? The Trump shuttle, right before the Gulf War, uh, and uh, Trump vodka debuted in 2006, a year or two before the financial collapse. And uh, Trump magazine went out of circulation 2009 in the depths of the financial crash. Trump stakes uh, 2007 launched again right before a huge financial crash where up to 40% of America's wealth got wiped off the map. And uh, people could no longer afford any kind of luxury goods. So is that really, it's like calling someone a bad fisherman because there was a meteor strike on his boat. I don't know. So 
Donald Trump has had hundreds of businesses over a 40-plus year public career. Not all of them are currently active and not all were profitable. So the fact that people are just bringing up a few repetitive samples of businesses, they just don't understand business. You try a whole bunch of stuff and some of it works and some of it doesn't. That's business. Hell, that's, you know, you could look at my lowest rated videos or lowest popularity videos and say, he's terrible at what he does. It's like, yeah, well, but we've had 150 million views and downloads over the years. So <laughs> you can just look at, you know, uh, look at the song Stealing by Queen. Anyway, you can, just, you can take the worst of anything, you know. Boy, <laughs> um, Paul McCartney hasn't released a hit in decades. He's a terrible musician. He's a terrible songwriter. I don't know. And other than Trump Shuttle, all of these were just low overhead licensing deals looking to capitalize on the value of the Trump brand. And uh, right before a recession, I don't know. Ah, Trump voted for Obama, except he really didn't. On January 16, 2016, Glenn Beck circulated a fake Donald Trump tweet and claimed the Republican candidate had supported Barack Obama for president in both 2008 and 2012. Beck later apologized for circulating the fake tweet, noting that it was his fault for not checking it far enough. There are websites you can create fake tweets from people. It's pretty easy to see what's uh, going on, but uh, they didn't even bother checking that. Didn't have the authentic, but anyway... Glenn Beck's original post, quote, My researchers are split tonight on whether or not this was a hack or fake. I want to make sure that you know from me first that the staff is split down the middle, not enough to say real or fake. At this point, there's no denial from the campaign on this tweet, but I do not want to run anything that is not accurate. So he says he doesn't want to run anything that's not accurate, but posts it anyway. Didn't do a simple Google search to find the audio and video of Trump endorsing both McCain and Romney for president. Um, And this is even more absurd because Trump's endorsement of McCain was part of the whole war hero controversy months earlier, which we talked about in the last Untruths About Donald Trump presentation. So Beck was aware, completely aware of Trump's involvement in supporting McCain's campaign, but decided to post the fake tweet anyway. Now, despite the, quote, apology from Glenn Beck, the noted Ted Cruz supporter continued to claim that Trump supported Barack Obama for president, including writing a 17-point conspiracy theory theory article ending with, do I believe Donald Trump voted for Barack Obama in 2008? Yes. Yes, I do. Now, Donald Trump on Larry King Live discussing John McCain in 2008, quote, I've known him. I like him. I respect him. He's a smart guy, and I think he's going to be a great president. I endorse him. Donald Trump. The guy goes on television and says, I voted for Barack Obama. I was on John McCain's committee, raised a tremendous amount of money for John McCain, had dinner with John McCain right before the election, and I've got to listen to this idiot Glenn Beck say, I was for Obama. Donald Trump endorsing Mitt Romney in 2012. Quote, it's my honor, real honor and privilege to endorse Mitt Romney. Mitt is tough. He's smart. He's sharp. Governor Romney, go out and get him. Supreme Court justice appointments. So after the death of Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia, Trump suggested Diane Sykes and Bill Pryor as examples of people he'd look to appoint to the Supreme Court as president. Trump announced these names during the Republican debate on February 13th, 2016. Ted Cruz on February 14th, 2016. You know, the one person he has suggested that would make a good justice is his sister, who is a Court of Appeals judge appointed by Bill Clinton. She is a hardcore pro-abortion liberal judge, and he said she would make a terrific justice. Now, 
while Trump's older sister, Marianne Trump-Barry, was appointed to her current post by Bill Clinton. In 1999, she was nominated for advancement by President Ronald Reagan in 1983. Boy, it's quite a gene pool, eh? Judge Trump-Barry did join in ruling a New Jersey ban on partial birth abortions unconstitutional. Unfortunately for Cruz, Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito also shared that opinion, the same Justice Alito that Cruz recently claimed he'd model his nominees after. So when Trump's sister does it, it's really bad. When Cruz's guy joins her in doing that cricket silence distraction. Squirrel! Donald Trump, February 14th, 2016. My sister, she also happens to have a little bit different views than me, but my sister obviously would not be the right person. It's a conflict of interest for me. Taxes and the Federal Reserve. So you've heard this in the debates and so on. Trump's tax plan will bankrupt America. Since several recent debates, Trump was grilled about the supposed cost of his tax plan. The Tax Foundation said, with a straight face, I guarantee it, quote, Donald Trump's tax plan would enact a number of tax reforms that would both lower marginal tax rates on workers and significantly reduce the cost of capital. These changes in the incentives to work and invest would greatly increase the U.S. economy size in the long run, leading to higher incomes for taxpayers at all income levels. The plan would also be a large tax cut, which would increase the federal government's deficit by over $10 trillion dollars both on a static and dynamic basis. Okay. This economic modeling, like if trillions of dollars end up in the hands of American taxpayers, they're going to use it to build businesses, to invest, to grow, do R&D. Who knows what amazing products are going to be produced in the future that are going to make things much more efficient. Anybody who says they know exactly what tax cuts are going to do for the economy over a 10-year period... I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to say. That's just so ridiculous. Plus, of course, that's assuming that you can't cut government spending at all during that time period. Uh, I would assume, and so anyway, it's uh, just nonsense. In addition to the absurdity of this type of economic modeling, moderators often neglected to direct similar questions to Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio, whose tax plans are quote forecasted to cost three point six trillion dollars and six point eight trillion dollars, respectively. So in Trump's plan, single filers will pay a rate of 0% if their income is between 0 and $25,000, 10% for $25,001 to $50,000, 20% for $50,001 to $150,000, and 25% for $150,000 and up. Now, that kind of simplifies tax plan, which sets fire to, you know, 6 million forests worth of IRS tax codes. What is that going to do for the economy when people aren't confused, have to pay billions of dollars to accountants and spend billions of hours trying to wend their way through the Mandarin bureaucratic tax maze of the IRS code. What is that going to do for the economy? Nobody knows, other than it's good to have less taxes, fewer taxes. Federal Reserve, in addition to its frequent discussion of currency manipulation internationally and the impact it has on the American economy, Trump has been very vocal on problems caused by the Federal Reserve. Donald Trump, in terms of real estate, if I want to develop from that standpoint, I like low interest rates. From the country standpoint, I'm just not sure it's a very good thing because I really do believe we're creating a bubble. Trump has also noted, it is so important to audit the Federal Reserve. Ron Paul has said, 
Donald Trump deserves credit for at least mentioning the Federal Reserve's creating bubbles through artificially low interest rates. The Central Park Five. Oh, I'm not young. I remember this so well. April 1989. 28-year-old investment banker named Tricia Maley was jogging through New York Central Park when she was bludgeoned with a rock, gagged, tied, raped, and left for dead. She was discovered hours later unconscious, suffering from hypothermia and severe brain damage, having lost 80% of her blood. A terrifying, savage, wilding attack. Now, Trump reportedly paid $85,000 to place an advertisement in the city's four major papers with the headline, Bring Back the Death Penalty! Bring Back the Police! The advertisement said, I want to hate these muggers and murderers. They should be forced to suffer. And when they kill, they should be executed for their crimes. They must serve as examples so that others will think long and hard before committing a crime or an act of violence. Now, this was when the Democrats were in charge of New York City, and it was pretty feral. Like, Escape from New York was half documentary. Oh boy, there's an old movie reference. Snake Blizzard. And so this was a time of extreme lawlessness and very high crime rates um, before the Republicans came in and sort of sheriffed up the place and cleaned house. So, and of course, Trump has a lot of properties in New York, and if people don't want to come and visit because they're terrified of being attacked, uh, that's going to have some effect on his evaluation, to put it mildly. Convicted suspect Yusuf Salam said he was the fire starter. Common citizens were being manipulated and swayed into believing that we were guilty. If we were white, would Donald Trump have written this in the paper? Boy, it's great to see somebody finally playing the race card when it comes to criminality. OJ. <clears throat> Antron McRae, Kevin Richardson, Raymond Santana, Carrie Weiss, and Yusef Salam were arrested, tried, convicted by multi-ethnic juries, and issued prison sentences. The teenagers, four African-American and one Hispanic, would become known collectively as the Central Park Five. Now, Ann Coulter, a lawyer who has written extensively on this issue, said, quote, All those charged with the joggers' rape gave detailed, corroborated, videotaped confessions after full Miranda warnings, four of the five in the presence of an adult relative. All five confessed to assisting the attack on the jogger, but none to raping her themselves. That is enough for a rape conviction. Matthias Reyes, a career criminal, repeated rapist, and murderer serving a life sentence, confessed to the rape while in prison and claimed that he had acted alone. This confession served as the basis for the re-examination of the Central Park Five cases. Ann Coulter. Reyes had absolutely nothing to lose by confessing to the rape. The statute of limitations had run, and much to gain by claiming he acted alone. He got a favorable prison transfer and the admiration of his fellow inmates for smearing the police. Contrary to media reports, there was hair, blood, or semen on all five of the defendants. There's full videotaped confessions. There's DNA, blood, semen, hair on the defendants. But some jailhouse guy with nothing to lose claiming that... As the case was retried in the politically correct court of public opinion, these self-admittedly guilty men were released at the suggestion of soon-to-be-retiring Manhattan District Attorney Robert Morgenthau. The Central Park Five were later awarded a settlement of $40 million from New York City for wrongful imprisonment. Now, Trump has been criticized for his original advertisement and additional statements on the case over the years. But it's consistent with his willingness to speak politically incorrect truths and his desire to crack down on criminality.
Ah, David Duke, we're back. Donald Trump recently came under fire for refusing to disavow David Duke. Despite the fact that Trump disavowed him as early as 1991, again in 2000, in August 2015, and many times in 2016 before the controversial interview. November 19th, 1991, quote, Donald Trump, I hate seeing what David Duke getting 55% of the white vote for governor of Louisiana represents, but I guess it just shows there's a lot of hostility in this country. There's a tremendous amount of hostility in the United States. It's anger. I mean, there's an anger vote. People are angry about what's happened. February 14th, 2000. You've got David Duke just joined. A bigot, a racist, a problem. I mean, this is not exactly the people you want in your party. February 19th, 2000. The Reform Party now includes a Klansman, Mr. Duke, a neo-Nazi, Mr. Buchanan, and a communist, Miss Fulani. This is not company I wish to keep. David Duke, on August 26, 2015. I'm not endorsing Donald Trump. I believe that the discussion on the immigration issue is a legitimate discussion. It's a good thing, and I appreciate the fact that these issues are being raised. August 26, 2015, Trump said, I don't need David Duke's endorsement. I certainly wouldn't want his endorsement. I don't need anybody's endorsement. When asked if he'd repudiate an an endorsement from Duke, Trump replied, sure, I would do that if it would make you feel better. I don't know anything about him. A lot of people like me, Republicans like me, liberals like me, everybody likes me. David Duke on February 25th, 2016. Voting against Donald Trump at this point is really treason to your heritage. I'm not saying I endorse everything about Trump. In fact, I haven't formally endorsed him, but I do support his candidacy and I support voting for him as a strategic action. And this in general is just part of the double standards that black people can overwhelmingly vote for a black candidate uh, and nobody says that that's racist. But if somebody who's interested in white heritage says, well, we should vote for somebody who's going to keep third worlders out of this country, well, he's just a white supremacist, racist, whatever, right? I don't know much about David Duke at all, but the double standard is predictable and, and boring. February 26, 2016. Trump said, I didn't even know he endorsed me. David Duke endorsed me. Okay, all right. I disavow, okay? February 28, 2016. Well, just so you understand, I don't know anything about David Duke, okay? I don't know anything about what you're even talking about with white supremacy or white supremacy, so I don't know. I don't know any... Honestly, I don't know David Duke. I don't believe I've ever met him. I'm pretty sure I didn't meet him. And I just don't know anything about him. February 29th, 2016. I'm sitting in a house in Florida with a very bad earpiece that they gave me, and you could hardly hear what he was saying. But what I heard was various groups, and I don't mind disavowing anybody, and I disavowed David Duke, and I disavowed him the day before at a major news conference, and they heard me very easily disavow David Duke. So naturally, the next question is, do you disavow David Duke? Just because they want to get Trump and KKK, Trump and David Duke, Trump and white nationalism, Trump and racism, they just want to get those things in the same sentence. It's got nothing to do with any pursuit of truth. Also, there was some photos circulating about Uh, supposedly KKK members holding pro-Donald Trump signs, um, except somebody very quickly pointed out that they had black hands uh, holding these signs, not the most authentic or believable KKK brother members. March 3rd, 2016. He said, Trump said, David Duke is a bad person who I disavowed on numerous occasions over the years. I disavowed him. I disavowed the KKK. Do you want me to do it again for the 12th time? I disavowed him in the past. I disavow him now. 
Many in the media continue to portray the fiction that Trump refused to disavow David Duke's endorsement, which wasn't even given long after Trump's disavowal. I can't imagine why Donald Trump thinks that people in the media are dishonest and manipulative. Shocking. It's a mystery. We'll crack it one day. Donald Trump is scared of Megyn Kelly. With a bulletproof makeup. Trump contemplated not attending the Fox News debate on January 29, 2016, noting the moderator Megyn Kelly isn't fair to him. Trump posted a poll on Twitter asking supporters, should I do the GOP debate? Fox News responded with an official statement, quote, We learned from a secret black back channel that the Ayatollah and Putin both intend to treat Donald Trump unfairly when they meet with him if he becomes president. A nefarious source tells us that Trump has his own secret plan to replace the cabinet with his Twitter followers to see if he should even go to those meetings. <laughs> that's, that's such a shit post. I mean, that's such trollery. It was after Fox News released this statement that Trump decided to throw a fundraiser for veterans instead of attending the Iowa debate. According to a YouGov brand index survey, the perception of Fox News among Republicans hit a three-year low and has, quote, declined by approximately 50%, end quote, since January of 2016. Veterans fundraiser. Ooh, he's keeping the money, people. On January 28, 2016, Donald Trump held a fundraiser for veterans groups and raised over $6 million, including his own personal donation of a million dollars. Though donations were collected by the Donald J. Trump Foundation, which is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Due to the organization's involvement, online speculation spread that instead of donating the money to the veterans groups, Trump would use the donations to fund his presidential campaign. Uh, I mean, the man is statistically and technically a genius, right, based upon his entrance scores to get into uh, the school of Wharton School of Business, I think he went to. So the idea that he would say, I'm going to raise money for veterans and then use it on his own presidential campaign I mean, how retarded would you have to be to even remotely think that was a good idea, especially when you've got so much money that you don't even need to think about anything like that? I don't know. People just projecting. It's a Donnie-Kruger effect. People just projecting their own stupidity onto smarter people. It's really great, too, that the media is really obsessed about whether Donald Trump's foundation might have misused some funds. Great to see them all over the Clinton Foundation. Oh, wait, that's the FBI at the moment. So hot on that trail, the media investigated could only confirm that $800,000 had been distributed, as many of the veterans' groups refused to comment. Shortly thereafter, the Trump campaign released a list of 27 veterans' organizations, which received $2.9 million as of March 2016. It has also been noted that fund dispersal can take time due to vetting procedures and timing requests from the charities involved. They may want it to go on to their next fiscal year or whatever. Trump campaign spokeswoman Hope Hicks, quote, if the media spent half as much time highlighting the work of these groups and how our veterans have been so mistreated, rather than trying to disparage Mr. Trump's generosity for a totally unsolicited gesture for which he had no obligation, we would all be better for it. To which the media naturally replied, Has Trump disavowed the KKK? Throughout the process, Trump has been criticized for politicizing veterans' charities, not immediately releasing the list of charities he would be supporting, not providing immediate proof that the funds have been dispersed, and been accused of keeping the funds for his own financial gain. Pope Francis. Excellent. Pope Francis, February 18, 2016, quote, A person who thinks only about building walls, wherever they may be, and not of building bridges, is not a Christian. This is not the gospel. 
As far as what you said about whether I would advise to vote or not to vote, I am not getting involved in that. I say only, this man is not a Christian, if he has said things like that. Now, the Pope lives in Vatican City. Vatican City is surrounded by massive stone walls. Um, You know, for people who say walls around borders are a really bad idea, ask them if they've talked about Vatican City or Israel, for that matter, and uh, see whether there's any, I don't know, anti-American bias in this criticism of walls. Oh, and try, try to go live in Vatican City. Just go try become a citizen of Vatican City and see how much luck you have. Donald Trump. The Mexican government and its leadership has made many disparaging marks, remarks about me to the Pope. The Pope only heard one side of the story. He didn't see the crime, the drug trafficking, and the negative economic impact the current policies have on the United States. For a religious leader to question a person's faith is disgraceful. No leader, especially a religious leader, should have the right to question another man's religion or faith. They are using the Pope as a pawn, and they should be ashamed of themselves for doing so, especially when so many lives are involved and when illegal immigration is so rampant. Vatican spokesman, Father Federico Lombardi, quote, This wasn't in any way a personal attack nor an indication of who to vote for. The Pope has clearly said he didn't want to get involved in the electoral campaign in the U.S., and also said that he said what he said on the basis of what he was told about Trump, hence giving him the benefit of the doubt. Okay, that's, first of all, it's not giving someone the benefit of the doubt. And secondly, of course, churches in America, the Catholic Church, of course, gets to be tax-free because it doesn't get involved in politics. The moment it starts involving itself in politics, it could lose its tax-free status, which is probably why you see the... Um, tea cozy head moonwalk back of the statement by the pope the spokesman um, vatican spokesman went on to say the pope said we what we already know if we followed his teachings and positions we shouldn't build walls but bridges he also said that in relation to migration in europe many times so this is not a specific issue limited to this particular case it's his generic view coherent with the nature of solidarity from the gospel um I don't know that there's much in the New Testament about bringing huge numbers of Muslims into your Christian countries, but I'm no theologian. George W. Bush lied about weapons of mass destruction. Donald Trump, in a debate, said, George W. Bush made a mistake. We can make mistakes, but that one was a beauty. We should have never been in Iraq. We have destabilized the Middle East. They lied. They said there were weapons of mass destruction and there were none. And they knew there were none. Is that true? Well, in 2005, the Commission on the Intelligence Capabilities of the United States regarding weapons of mass destruction released a report outlining how United Nations inspectors had debunked all the evidence cited by the Bush administration that Saddam Hussein processed nuclear or biological weapons prior to the start of the Iraq War. That information was very available, well available, to all of the people, the architects of that war. The New York Times on October 2014 said, quote, From 2004 to 2011, American and American-trained Iraqi troops repeatedly encountered and on, on at least six occasions were wounded by chemical weapons remaining from years earlier in Saddam Hussein's rule. In all, American troops secretly reported finding roughly 5,000 chemical warheads, shells, or aviation bombs. Now, many Republicans took this information to mean that Bush had been right all along, 
But Democrats countered it by claiming that the war was proposed based on an active weapons of mass destruction program in Iraq, not leftovers from the 1980s and the early 1990s. Oh, and of course, it was sold that Saddam Hussein, sold to the American public Saddam Hussein, had weapons capable of dropping these weapons of mass destruction on Americans. Um, these don't even remotely qualify. The truth is that disarmament of existing weapons was frequently mentioned by Bush in the lead-up to the war. But these weapons were not being hidden. They had been abandoned, forgotten, and lost during the Iran-Iraq war since tens of thousands of CW munitions were forward-deployed along the frequently and rapidly shifting battle lines. They're just left to rot in the desert, not part of an active program. When you add to that the Bush administration's claims that Hussein had an active weapons of mass destruction program and the marketing phrase of, we don't want the smoking gun to be a mushroom cloud, it's indisputable that the war was sold on false premises. So here is President George W. Bush of the Israeli-Palestinian summit, four months after the U.S.-led invasion of Iraq in 2003. Quote, I am driven with a mission from God. God would tell me, George, go and fight those terrorists in Afghanistan. And I did. And then God would tell me, George, go and end the tyranny in Iraq. And I did. And now again, I feel God's words coming to me. Go get the Palestinians their state and get the Israelis their security and get peace in the Middle East. And by God, I'm going to do it. Hmm, politics, my voice is in your head. What could go wrong? Eminent domain, Ted Cruz ran an advertisement which stated that, quote, Trump colluded with Atlantic City insiders to bulldoze the home of an elderly widow for a limousine parking lot at his casino. But the home was, in fact, never touched and remains standing to this very day. Donald Trump, quote, I was going to expand Trump Taj Mahal for 2,000 rooms. I couldn't make a deal with her. In the end, I didn't do it. I would have paid her $5 million, and she saved me a fortune. I would have spent, had I built the expansion. It, the house, sold for half a million dollars a few years ago. Trump campaign spokesperson Katrina Pearson, quote, The ad is very misleading. In, in fact, it outright lies about a widow's home being bulldozed. When you look at the facts, there is a process in place for eminent domain, which was followed in this instance. Mrs. Coking ended up keeping her property for years because Mr. Trump didn't purchase it, and it ended up saving him a fortune. So Trump saved money by not buying the house, and the woman lost... I guess 400, uh, well, she, he would have, he would have, uh, she lost $4.5 million because uh, he would have spent up to $5 million to buy it, sold for half a million dollars a few years ago. Donald Trump, quote, so many people have hit me with commercials and other things about eminent domain. Eminent domain is an absolute necessity for a country, for our country. The Keystone Pipeline, without eminent domain, it wouldn't go 10 feet. Ted Cruz. Donald Trump has said he thinks eminent domain is fantastic and he supports using government power to seize private people's homes, to give them to giant corporations to, say, hypothetically build a casino. Now he's entitled to have that view, but my view is we have an obligation to protect the rights of Americans and private property is essential to the rights of Americans. Marco Rubio said, The fundamental right to private property has been under assault for years through our government's abuses of eminent domain. While this authority can be a necessary evil in rare cases related to public development, today it is often wielded by crony capitalist politicians to benefit wealthy and powerful private developers. Bold Nebraska founder Jane Klebe, quote, I think it's fascinating that Cruz and Rubio are trying to use eminent domain to hit Donald Trump. 
Yet both of them obviously support Keystone XL, Keystone Pipeline, and I'm sure any other pipeline that you would ask them about. You can't have it both ways. Now, they, of course, say, well, it's for public stuff, but Keystone Pipeline is to benefit private businesses. So how is the Keystone Pipeline different from Donald Trump? I guess it's because the Keystone Pipeline isn't successfully running for nomination of the party. Ted Cruz on eminent domain in 2012, quote, The Constitution also provides that property can be taken with due process of law and just compensation and with respect to securing the borders. It is a national security issue. So he's got no problem with eminent domain. He's got no problem with it for private corporations to benefit. Keystone Pipeline. Just when Donald Trump fails to use it, suddenly it's really, really terrible. In 2015, Marco Rubio voted nay against an amendment intended, quote, to ensure private property cannot be seized through condemnation or eminent domain for the private gain of a foreign-owned business entity. Ted Cruz also voted against this amendment. Jeb Bush. He doesn't sound like a conservative when he embraces eminent domain to use police powers on government to take private property for private use. Well, you know, it's overstepped Jeb Bush's support of the Keystone Pipeline, which would do exactly that. As governor, Jeb, Jeb, exclamation mark Bush, initiated the single largest eminent domain private property confiscation in the history of Florida. In the mid-2000s, the Florida Department of Agriculture began destroying private citrus trees without any offer of compensation due to an outbreak of citrus canker. The Florida State Supreme Court found the process to be an unconstitutional eminent domain overreach, and lawsuits eventually awarded the affected property owners over $100 million in damages. Tragically, not paid for personally by Jeb Bush. In typical government fashion, of course, the illegal property seizure failed to stop the citrus canker. Ah, you've been waiting, haven't you? The porn convention. Dun, dun, dun. Down, down, down. Although although Donald Trump has not had any operational control of the Trump Taj Mahal Casino and Hotel in Atlantic City since 2009, he continued to have a 5% stake and a 5% in stock warrants in the business until February 2016. Trump has recently been criticized for the Taj Mahal, which he had no control over, hosting the XXXotica Expo in both 2013 and 2014. This pornography convention featured featured women in bondage gear, an appearance by Ron Jeremy, who apparently is a hedgehog with a giant penis, a giant rideable penis, and everything else you'd expect at such an event. Now, in August 2014, Trump filed suit in New Jersey to have his name removed from Trump Taj Mahal, saying that the licensing agreement had been violated due to the casinos falling, quote, into an utter state of disrepair. Too much lube on the carpet, I'm sure. Donald Trump, quote, I'd love nothing more than for the current managers and owners of these hotel casinos to operate them to the highest standards of luxury and success, but unfortunately that is not happening. We have no choice but to terminate. In March 2015, Trump reached an agreement with new controlling investor Carl Icahn to allow his name to remain on the property. Donald Trump, I am happy to have reached a deal with Carl, someone who I have great respect for, both personally and professionally. The Trump Taj Mahal, under the right leadership, and with the proposed significant reinvestment in the property, can be, once again, a wonderful place for travel and entertainment. 
Planned Parenthood. Ted Cruz has repeatedly attacked Trump, claiming that he supports taxpayer funding for Planned Parenthood, which is untrue. Trump has repeatedly denounced taxpayer funding for Planned Parenthood and promised to defund the organization as long as they perform abortions, but he has continually spoken positively of other women's health services they offer. Donald Trump. As long as they do the abortion, I am not for funding Planned Parenthood, but they do cervical cancer work. They do a lot of good things for women, but as long as they're involved with the abortions, as you know, they say it's 3% of their work. Some people say it's 10%. Some people say it's 8%. I hear all different percentages, but it doesn't matter. As long as they're involved with abortion, as far as I'm concerned, forget it. I wouldn't fund them regardless, but they do other good work. So Planned Parenthood claims abortion makes up only 3% of the services they offer, while critics claim 94% of their services are abortion-related. Planned Parenthood's number counts every service interaction as a separate unit, which means a $10 urine pregnancy test counts the same as a $1,500 first trimester abortion. The reality is that Planned Parenthood's books are not public, so the true percentage of funding that goes into abortion is unknown. But I imagine if Trump gets to be president, that may not continue to remain unknown. Mussolini quote! On February 28th, 2016, Donald Trump retweeted a quote which had been attributed to him but was actually originated by Benito Mussolini. Quote, It is better to live one day as a lion than 100 years as a sheep. Now, in 2015, Gorka's senior writer Ashley Feinberg, quote, created a Twitter bot that would post quotes from the writings and speeches of the Italian fascist dictator Benito Mussolini, but with all of them attributed to businessman and Republican presidential candidate Donald Trump. And this is a silly game of gotcha, because, uh, you know, evil people can have some pretty cool quotes from time to time. And um, so what would happen is people would retweet it, and they'd say, this is really cool, and because it's Donald Trump, and then it would be revealed that it was actually from Mussolini, and people, ah, gotcha, it's like, this is what people do instead of having a damn brain or any capacity to reason. Now, the media gleefully jumped on this as additional evidence that the real estate developer was an evil Nazi in disguise. And Trump responded during a media interview, quote, It's a very good quote. It's a very interesting quote. And I know it. I saw it. What difference does it make whether it's Mussolini or somebody else? It's certainly a very interesting quote. Chuck Todd, do you want to be associated with a fascist? (laughs) Media is so funny, man. Trump says, no, I want to be associated with interesting quotes. You know, there's that it's better to die on your feet than live on your knees. I don't know who said it. It's a pretty interesting quote. I don't know. It's just silly gotcha games. I don't know. I think the media is just terrified. They can actually start working for a living rather than trolling. Trump supporter violence. So two brothers with long criminal records, Scott and Steve Leader, were leaving a Red Sox game when they launched a, quote, vicious and unprovoked, end quote, attack on a 58-year-old Hispanic man breaking his nose and then urinating on him. Asked what motivated the alleged attack, Scott Leader, who had been convicted of a hate crime and jailed for a year for the assault of a Moroccan man after the September 11th attacks, name-dropped Donald Trump. Quote, Donald Trump was right. All these illegals need to be deported. Donald Trump said, I haven't heard about that. It would be a shame, but I haven't heard about that. I will say that people who are following me are very passionate. They love this country, and they want this country to be great again. They are passionate. I will say that, and everybody here has reported it. On March 7th, three Hispanic men were involved in threatening the use of a firearm 
on a Donald Trump supporter who confronted them for damaging his Trump for President lawn sign. Georgia, NBC News affiliate, quote, Alexander Moreno was charged with aggravated assault, possession of a firearm without a license, possession of a handgun under the age of 18, and possession of a firearm during the commission of a felony. Mauricio Rodriguez was charged with making terroristic threats, criminal trespass, and possession of less than an ounce of marijuana. Hector Ayala was charged with disorderly conduct. All three were charged with violation of Georgia's Criminal Street Gang Act. Have you heard of that? Probably not. Jeffrey Epstein, otherwise known as... In 2008, Jeffrey Epstein was convicted of and served 13 months of an 18-month sentence in prison for soliciting an underaged girl for prostitution. There are significant numbers of people who felt that this was a pretty unholy deal. He should have got much more. Additional accusations against Epstein run far deeper, whilst... Recently, his address book became a subject of interest, and it included Donald Trump's contact information. Okay, other names in the book include Stephen Hawking, Kevin Spacey, Barbara Walters, Alec Baldwin, Sir Richard Branson, former Israeli Prime Minister Ehud Barak, Elizabeth Hurley, John Cleese, Minnie Driver, Dustin Hoffman, Bobby Kennedy Jr., Senator Edward Kennedy, Henry Kissinger, Maria Shriver, Rupert Murdoch, and many, many more. The Trump Organization said, quote, Mr. Trump only knew Mr. Epstein as Mr. Trump owns the hottest and most luxurious club in Palm Beach, redacted, and Mr. Epstein would go there on occasion. I don't know. Trump's marketing genius, like him or not, the fact that he turns this uh, sex crimes witch hunt into a promotional opportunity, the most luxurious club, it's pretty cool. Gorkas has written, quote, Bill Clinton took repeated trips on the Lolita Express, the private passenger jet owned by billionaire pedophile Jeffrey Epstein, with an actress in softcore porn movies whose name appears in Epstein's address book under an entry for massages, according to flight logbooks. The logs also show that Clinton shared more than a dozen flights with a woman who federal prosecutors believe procured underage girls to sexually service Epstein and his friends and acted as a potential co-conspirator in his crimes. You can look this up more. It's pretty repulsive stuff all round, with some pretty wide-reaching implications, to say the least. Ah, Donald Trump apparently called Ben Carson a child molester. (sighs) Trump has been accused of calling Ben Carson a child molester. Untrue. Donald Trump said, it's in the book that he's got a pathological temper or temperament. That's a big problem because you don't cure that. That's like You know, as an example, child molester. You don't cure these people. You don't cure a child molester. There's no cure for it. Pathological, there's no cure for that. I'm not bringing up anything that's not in his book. You know, when he says he went after his mother and wanted to hit her in the head with a hammer, that bothers me. So no, he did not call Ben Carson a child molester. Mark Zuckerberg's personal senator during the CNBC Republican debate, Trump, and moderator Becky Quick, had an exchange which led to PolitiFact claiming Trump was pants on fire levels of dishonest. Quick said, quote, You have talked a little bit about Marco Rubio. I think you called him Mark Zuckerberg's personal senator because he was in favor of the H-1B visa. Trump, I never said that. I never said that. Trump has never used the line himself, at least to our knowledge, but the immigration policy on his website contains the line, quote, Mark Zuckerberg's personal senator Marco Rubio has a bill to triple H-1Bs that would decimate women and minorities. So yeah, he never said it. 
You may quibble, but at least to our knowledge, he's never said it. Ah, Donald Trump is owned by Wall Street. In an attempt to push back against Trump's claims that other candidates are owned by donors and lobbyists, media sources have published the liabilities page from his financial disclosure from form showing outstanding loans with many major banks. Leon H. Wolf has said, If Ted Cruz is owned by Goldman Sachs and Citibank because they once gave him a million-dollar loan, even though it is completely or mostly paid back, then Donald Trump is definitely owned by not only Citibank and Goldman Sachs, but also by every name on this list. And what does that mean? So you take out a loan, the the terms of the loan are paid back, and if you've taken out the loan before you ran for president, then they can't possibly have used it as leverage to give you uh, preferential treatment so you'll pay them back with preferential legislation. Makes no sense. Torture. Trump recently came under fire for supporting the use of waterboarding and things that were a, quote, hell of a lot worse. The candidate was asked what he would do if military personnel refused to follow his orders. Donald Trump, quote, I've always been a leader. I've never had any problem leading people. If I say do it, they're going to do it. That's what leadership is all about. Trump later added, I would use every legal power that I have to stop these terrorist enemies. I do, however, understand that the United States is bound by laws and treaties, and I will not order our military or other officials to violate those laws and will seek their advice on such matters. I will not order a military officer to disobey the law. It is clear that as president, I will be bound by laws, just like all Americans, and I will meet those responsibilities. Republicans are stupid. The following false quote has been attributed to Donald Trump in an attempt to smear him. Quote, If I were to run, I'd run as a Republican. They're the dumbest group of voters in the country. They believe anything on Fox News. I could lie, and they'd still eat it up. I bet my numbers would be terrific. Hmm. Look, Donald Trump has had a 40-plus year career in the public sphere. If the man was so terrible, there'd be so much stuff out there that you could use against him that you wouldn't need to make stuff up, you wouldn't need to lie, you wouldn't need to exaggerate, you wouldn't need to quote mine, you wouldn't need to take some inflammatory statement and refuse to publish where he later would clarify it with more details. You'd just find all the terrible stuff he'd said and publish it, and you wouldn't need to do all these manipulative tricks. The fact that the guy's been in the public sphere for 40-plus years and there's really not that much that could be used against him is pretty remarkable in many ways. And so um, I think it's important to just push back. We need to start demanding that the media do a better job. We need to start demanding that they stop trolling, start quoting accurately, and clear the way for a substantive debate about the serious and significant policy issues facing America uh, today. And the media is only going to listen to, uh, to money, right? The University of Missouri, after some pretty disgraceful behavior of political correctness recently, has seen its enrollments drop by 20%, and uh, I would argue has significantly damaged the value of getting a degree from his, the University of Missouri. So you, you, you hit him in the pocketbook. And so my suggestion is, when you find a media site being dishonest, stop supporting it. Stop going there. Stop taking ads. Don't pay anything uh, if you can get to read something on the other side of a paywall. If you can't get there, just don't go there. Don't give them money. They respond to financial incentives. And it is up to the public to keep the media honest. And you do that by voting with your dollars. 
because we need the media to get out of the way and let people have an intelligent debate without stupid stuff like racism, misogyny, war on women, all the general crap that is thrown around, all of the the exquisitely tuned trollery that is being thrown around. We need to have an intelligent debate, and we can't do that with the media screaming verbal abuse at everyone who's right of Che Guevara. So that's sort of my suggestion. Keep the media honest. Keep the media honest. They're not going to do it on their own. They're going to do it because of financial pressure. So stop spending money on dishonest media. Or conversely, you can go to freedomainradio.com slash donate and help out this form of media. We rely entirely on your support and donations. We don't take ads from anyone. I wish to really stay focused on you, the watchers and listeners, and not be beholden to anybody else other than you. I want to be responsible and wake up every day thinking about how I can best serve you. And so you can go to freedomainradio.com slash donate to help out this show. Thank you so much for watching. As always, a great pleasure to have these conversations. I look forward to your feedback below. And uh, media, don't make me do a third one of these. Start telling the truth.